Hey, thanks for checking out the Reveal Vineyard podcast. Here at Reveal, our mission is simple. Find God, find others, and find yourself. For more information, visit us online at revealvineyard.com. Thank you for being here on Father's Day. I hope everyone's had a great day so far, all the fathers out there. And even those of you who might not have children, but you have influence on other young people, uh, this day also honors you because you also are having influence on other folks uh, and even young people. So uh, like Mike said, I uh, work with the youth here at Reveal, and uh, it's a great honor to work with those kids. Um, as we get into the message this morning, uh, some of you might know that we have uh, these things that we call the hills we die on. There's 10 of them. And they are really what the core of the church is and what we are as a people. And if you're new to Reveal, check it out in the hub. There's a thing that goes over it. And then even in our new church building, uh, as you walk in, there's a wall with a really cool cross. And on that wall is the 10 hills that we die on because we believe so much into these hills. And uh, so check them out. Look over them. Uh, one of the things I can tell you is that when I read these 10 hills, that I finally felt like a, a church that I truly felt they belonged to because these are really my values and it's something that I really talk about and I try to look over and live by. Um, so, you know, ultimately the first hill we die on is it's all about Jesus. Um, and then one of the other ones that we, die, or that we uh, die on is that the fact that we don't wear masks. We don't, we like to take off the mask, be real with one, one another. And this morning, church, with, a, uh, with a, an audible yes, I would like your permission this morning to be able to take off my own mask and to be completely raw and real with you. Do I have that permission from you, church? Yeah. Excellent. Um, as we jump into uh, Genesis 22, if you have your Bible or an online app, go ahead and turn to there. Um, this morning's message is called The Knife, and you might be going, that's kind of an odd message on Father's Day. By the end, you're going to understand why it's called The Knife. But one of the things that I would like to think about this morning is when we read Scripture, a lot of times we read Scripture in a very two-dimensional, linear, or flat. We're trying to read the Bible through a year, so we're just trying to read, and we don't take a moment and step back and start to think about the emotion that's in the scripture, what's happening, the scene around it, uh, the people, the characters. And when you take a step back and start to read scripture in this light, the scripture is going to start to really mean something to you versus just getting it done on the checklist and feeling like you accomplished something. So this morning, I'm going to go ahead and when I read through Genesis 22, I'm going to put my own personal feelings of what I feel that were in the emotions of the story of Abraham and Isaac. And I truly believe that from my viewpoint, these are some of the emotions and possible the thoughts that were going on. Because I don't believe it was as flat as you might read it, that there had to have been some emotions. So we're going to jump in right into uh, Genesis 22, verse 1. Um, we start off, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, here I am. He replied, we could stop right there and we could have an entire uh, message on that alone, but we're not going to today. What I will tell you, though, is it tells you that Abraham was really attentive to God. And unlike a lot of us, when God is trying to speak to us through his word, through other people, that a lot of times we say, God, hold on and, you know, take a number, right? I'll be with you in a minute. 
I'm worried about something else. But Abraham here is an individual who's really in tune with God. Then God said to him, take your son, all right, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moab. All right, God, you're asking me to take my son on a camping trip. Sounds like a pretty cool time. I'm looking forward to it. So he's on with God there. And sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. What? I had to believe that at one point in time, Abraham, when he's listening to God, had to say, did I hear God right? Did he really just tell me to kill my son? I mean, I understood what he said. Take your son. Yep, that's my only son. Yep, I love him. Yep, you want me to burn him? Uh, and I believe at this moment, the emotion started to build. The, the lump in your throat, like, did I really get what God just said? You know, I heard his voice. I heard what he was telling me. I was attentive. But was that really what I heard? Go to the region of Moab. Sacrifice them there as a burnt offering on the mountain. I will show you. Verse 3. As the burden starts, early the next morning. So take a moment and think about this one. Early the next morning, which meant that Abraham slept on this. Or in my case, I don't think he slept at all, personally. Because if you're telling me to sacrifice my son, Sam, I'd be having a personal struggle all night long. Is that what he said? Was that what he meant? I heard him. I want to be obedient to God. But could you really mean that? And I could see him tossing and turning all night long because I know that's what I'd be doing. I'd be going, did I really get that from God? So early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac when he cut enough fire, enough wood for the burnt offering. And I believe as he's cutting the wood, chopping each wood, that the emotion starts building. The, the idea of what he has to do starts building inside of Abraham. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. So take a moment and think about that. Not only did he sleep on it one night, three days passed. And I imagine as he's walking along and his son not knowing anything different except, I'm going camping with the old man. It's going to be a good time. We're going to do some sacrifice. We're going to do some worship with God. I see this as a great time with Dad. And I believe every step, every moment of those three days that Abraham is walking along, the burden on his heart and his soul and his mind just kind of gets heavier and heavier. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. And we will worship and then we'll come back to you. So I believe Isaac is like, great, one-on-one time with dad, even better. Servants are great, but just one-on-one time. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son. Couldn't even imagine as the emotion of he stacking it on his son. And he himself carried the fire within the knife. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, and I call this the Captain Obvious moment, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here. Yeah, but where is the lamb? for the burnt offering. And I truly believe that his son says this 
that the emotion even starts to build up more and you're like, how much can a man take? And Abraham's been doing this for now, you can call it four days. It's building up and the son asks that obvious question. And he says, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Think about that for a moment. Knowing that the burnt offering, the offering was his son. I don't know if this was a half-truth or what it is, but I know that this must have been an agonizing question for Abraham to answer about his son. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood. Imagine Abraham sitting there and he's putting wood and building this thing, knowing that he wasn't a lamb that was going to be put on this thing. It was going to be his son, his only son, a son he loved. He's going to put him on this burnt, on this altar and he's going to kill him. And then as that moment started to go up, I mean, I imagine the eyes got a little watery as he knows the time is coming soon. And then he bound his son Isaac, and I don't know what Isaac was thinking. Is, is dad playing a trick here? Are we going to play until the, the lamb comes? Or are we just going to play, try to do a Houdini act here? Dad's going to tie me up and tell me to get loose. What, what is going to happen here? Because th- there couldn't be any other reason that dad, or dad you know, my father's going to bound me up, but to play a joke on me. And he bound his son Isaac and he laid him on the altar. And I truly believe when you're talking about laying him on the altar, that at that moment in time, Isaac goes from this is no longer a joke to this is something really about to happen. And in Abraham, I believe at that moment, the tears just no longer, what was built up inside him, started coming out. Started to cry. Then he reached out in his hand and took the knife And I believe at this moment in my mind, I'm seeing Isaac laying there and I see his dad pulling out and I believe Isaac is going, Father, what are you doing? Put the knife down. Father, this is no longer a joke. Dad, put the knife down. Daddy, Daddy, what are you doing? And I believe Abraham's lifting his knife up, tears just rolling down because he wants to obey the Father, the Heavenly Father so much. And at this moment in time, he took the knife to slay his son, that you have to go back to verse 5. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship. And what does it say, church? Then we will come back to you. I call this, Abraham's talking the big game right now talking big time that God is going to take care of this somehow, some way. I know what God said, but God has to have something else going on. God's got to have another plan because there's no way. And, and at this moment, he talks the big game. We all talk the big game. Look at some of these that might resonate with you. If I lose my job, it's okay. God will provide. If my loved one has cancer, has terminal illness, it must be God's will. My marriage will never have issues because God's got my back. And so on and so on. We talk this big game. 
ahead of time. But where are we at during the struggle? Talk about my dad for a moment. Here's some pictures of my dad, a Marine. Hoorah. You always said that all the time, by the way. My, my dad, who married his college sweetheart, also known as my mother. My dad, who was a cook. If any of you men have had my breakfast with those oatmeal pancakes, that's it in the pan up there. That's where I got it from. My dad, who was a hiker, has over 600 miles in the Grand Canyon plus. Hiked rim to rim to rim twice by himself. It's crazy, I know. My dad, who loved his sons, Yes, that's me up there in a 1980 fanny pack sport in the, the, the rockin' body glove tank top. I'm talking, it wouldn't look so good now, would it? The image will be burned in your mind forever. And then uh, my dad, who loved his grandkids. My dad in the Marine, a mechanic in the Marines. He's a great guy. Growing up, we never took our cars to the mechanics. We always fixed it ourselves. And at an age... My dad's like, son, time for you to learn how to fix a car. All right. So every time there's something to fix, he come on out. I'm like, dad, how long is this going to take? 45 minutes. I learned really quick. That meant four to five hours. All the time. In high school, my dad was um, a part of my ministry team I was in. He was my prayer partner. I love camping with my father. There was a time, I didn't get to tell this first service, so you're special. Um, there was a time we went camping, and we got a late start. And so we got up to the woods really late, like dark late. And we pull up, and we're going up to our camp spot, and there were some uh, police cars. And they were blocking, the, the going up, and they checked that. We're like, what's going on, officer? And you're like, a convicted murderer is loose. And I have to tell you, I was like 10, 11 years old. And they checked our vehicle, made sure it wasn't in our vehicle. And I remember we pulled in the parking spot that night, and it was too late to, uh, to set up tent. So we just slept in the back of the truck. And I was so freaked out. And you know what my dad did? Rolled over, grabbed the axe, and goes, here you go, son. I fell asleep like a baby. That was my dad. Early 2000, my dad was working for a company. And he was out in the warehouse, and he had a couple hundred pounds of glass fall on his foot. Went to the doctor, prescribed some Oxycontin. A couple years later, he had some hip surgery, prescribed more Oxycontin. My dad became addicted to a pill called Oxycontin. And for five years, we didn't realize that he had this struggle. My mom and him kept it very close to the chest. When my brother and I found out, we intervened. Tried to do an intervention. I've seen it done on TV. It's got to be easy, right? Yeah, not so easy. There was punches thrown. My dad spent a few nights in jail. And then for 18 plus months, he was separated from the family. And then there's a beautiful story of my dad and, and, and reconciliation and redemption of the family. And my parents' marriage was restored. And I was just like, this is what I've been praying for. And I got my dad back. And then on February 1st, 2014... Told my dad, hey, I need help putting the sink in to the, into my kitchen. I said, how long do you think it's going to take? Guess what he told me? 45 minutes. Four to five hours later, no joke, that's a true story. My dad, we finally finished. My dad was able to put my children to, to bed that night and do their prayers. And uh, walked out the door, not knowing that 
8.30 February 2nd, Super Bowl Sunday, that my dad would have an aneurysm and a stroke. And what we know now is that he was completely brain dead immediately. At that moment, my entire world started to get rocked. Because I saw my dad go through something so hard with the family and redemption. And I, got my, I just got my dad back. And I remember at the hospital, Marty and, and Mike and Morgan were all up there with us. And I, I'm loving the support. And then one of the days that we were up there, because we ended up on February 5th, pulling the plug on life support, my dad passed away. And I remember Marty sitting there and going, Kevin, are you good with God? I said, yeah, I'm good with God. And I was good with God right then. It was the, month, the weeks and the months after that the anger set in. The, the frustration. Because you got to realize I just got my dad back. And as I started going through, and remember you guys gave me permission to be raw with you, I, I started having these WTF moments with God, and, and I just started getting angry with him, and, and I just literally just started just yelling at him. And just so frustrated. How could you do this, God? And I remember one of the best advices I got was from my boss at the time. He said, Kevin, I lost my dad six years ago. And he goes, people are going to tell you that over time the pain will get easier. And he goes, they all lie. And he said, it just, you get used to the idea of them not being there. But the pain will always be there. And at that moment in time, that is what I needed to hear because I needed some raw truth of someone saying, this just sucks. And I'm sorry you're going through it. I had too many people going, it must be God's will. It's going to turn out okay. At that moment in time, I didn't need to hear that. I needed to hear someone who knew what my pain was and to be honest and real. Let's go to let's finish off this passage. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Even at that moment, Abraham was, here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that your fear of God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham probably was like, and immediately probably unbound his son. And if this was me, I'm giving my boy a big hug and telling him how much I love him. It's a beautiful ending. The problem I have with this, where I struggle with, God saved Isaac, but not my dad. Why? You have a great story here. You could have saved my dad. Why not? Why didn't you save them my job? Why didn't you save the loved one that went through cancer and all that chemo and all that pain? Why did you have to let them go through all that? God, why didn't you save my marriage? Why? And this is where I struggle on that verse. And then something God continuously reminds me. 
Kevin, it's not about you. It's about me. He has to remind me a lot about that, by the way. And I think he reminds us all about that. Because when we go through life, life happens. Nowhere in Scripture do you find, except Jesus Christ is your Savior, and you're going to have no suffering, you're going to have no pain, you're going to have no headache, you're not, your marriage is going to be perfect. I'm pretty sure it says complete opposite, which makes Christianity even that much. Why would you do it? Because God is there with us. We talk a big game about trusting in God, but the question is, when you have to pick up the knife, will you? I will tell you that going through the pain of the death of my father, I've been able to relate to others, even in this church, who have gone through death. Especially our youth. We have two of our kids who have lost, one lost a mother and one lost a father. And that's something I wouldn't have understood before, but I understand now. I've had friends who have lost their fathers or their mothers or a loved one, and I'm able just to tell them, and, and I send them that same message what you're going through sucks right now, and I'm sorry that you're going through it. And every one of those people is just, they take a step back and they, and they, and they understand I get it. But here's the thing. Whatever you're going through, God's going to use you in some way. Does it make the fact that the death of my father was any less painful? No. And to be kind of quite honest with you, I would give up all those other opportunities if I just could have my dad back. If I could just have him give me one last gib slap on the back of my head. Thank you. He did. And what was funny is he actually did it the, the, that last night I was with him. Reveal, I tell you about the hills that we die on because... They're what we die on. It's what we are. It's who we are. And if you haven't read through them, please read through them. But I will tell you that as a church and as we move into the new community and our new building and we're going to meet people we don't know what they're going through right now, the hardships that they're going through, God is going to use whatever we've gone through to be able to be there for them. And as a church, as we start to lean on each other and lean into God, we are going to grow as a community and we're going to grow as a body, not only numerically, but as a spiritually. And, and as a body, we're going to grow along the way and we're going to be okay. And the one thing that I've learned through this whole thing is that God can handle our pain. He can handle our WTF moments. He can handle our anger. He can handle us screaming at him. God can take it all. And we forget that sometimes. That God is still going to love us no matter what. And he wants that real truth. He wants that raw of us. He wants us to just to scream to him so then he can heal us. He can take it all. And that's one of the things I want to leave you with today. When you're going through the big challenges of life, we talk that big game. But the knife we lift up is when we truly, truly say, God, you got this. It doesn't make it any less pain, 
pain, you know, the pain is still there. The agony is still there. The disappointment is still there. Whatever you want to keep listing out is still there. But God is still there. And his people are still there. Because that's another thing I learned. When I went through it, I saw the people of God come around our family. The people I work with, God used them to surround us and to be there for us. So that we, when we couldn't lean into God anymore, they helped us lean into God. They helped us lean on them. Stand with me, church. My dad was all about Jesus, the number one hill that we die on. And I want to believe that my legacy as his son and as a father to my son is that I want to be all about Jesus. Mercy triumphs over judgment. If we start being that as a church, not only here on Sundays, but every day of the week, you'll see miracle things happen in your workplace. You'll see miracle things happen in your neighborhood. And you're going, we're going to see amazing things happen at this church. If you need prayer, there's going to be a couple of people down here to pray with. But I encourage you today. Love on the ones that are around you physically. Don't forget about the ones you've lost. And know that it's okay, that it still hurts. Let's pray. Dear God, we just come before you today, Father. We thank you for all the fathers in here. And we thank you for giving us this beautiful story of Abraham and Isaac. And God, we just pray right now that whatever that big game that we're talking about, that we also have the courage to take up the knife and to trust in you, even if the outcome isn't what we want. But Lord, you remind me all the time that it's not about me, it's about you and your glory. Father, may the rest of the day be a blessing among all fathers. In your heavenly name, amen. Thank you, church.